So, as I said, welcome to Hallowed, week one. You might be here thinking, what, what is Hallowed all about? And why have you called it Hallowed? Um, what well, Hallowed is, if you think about the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. And he was saying, essentially, um, highlight, we want to highlight our Father in heaven's name. We want to recognize who he is. We want to um, be in awe of his name and who he is. We want to realize that he is the one who is pure and is perfect. Um, And so we've called these four evenings hallowed because when we're talking about prayer, that's where we start. We start with God. We don't start with um, ourselves. We don't start with our circumstances, we don't start with our list of prayer requests. We start with God. That's how we start prayer and coming before God. Um, this is not um, a training event, okay? Don't think that all the stuff about how to pray happens from here. And this is like, oh, I just get trained. No, this is a, meant to be a very interactive, a very kind of together event where we learn together we're learning together uh and it's for all of us it's for all of us um, I, I, could you just put that slide up of those pictures i don't know if you've seen these books before there's a series of books things for dummies you can get like guitar for dummies or the idiot's guide to um car servicing or something like that you can get them for literally anything on the internet and, uh, you know, I think in, there's a way that to these four evenings are like these books in that we really want to take the complication out of prayer, in a sense, that we, we, we know that we, it's for all of us and we can all come um, and learn together about what it means to pray to our Father. Um, if anyone is offended, I apologize. um but in but in another way it's not like those books see those books are kind of like well just do these things and then that's how it works it's like here's the processes you do to become a better person at servicing your car or a better person at playing the guitar actually no no prayer is about coming in relationship with our father in heaven so it's for all of us there are not, as far as I understand in the Bible, there's not some that have been gifted in prayer and others who are not. We're all called to prayer as Christians. And that's really, really important. Uh, it's the privilege of every believer. And so for these four evenings, we've got four different themes. And you should have a participant's guide on your uh, table if you would like it electronically, because you're that way inclined, there is a QR code that you can scan right now with your phone, and you can have it electronically instead. Oh. So just scan that code, and then you'll have it on your phone instead. One way that we can just save the environment, isn't it?
Okay, so the plan for the evenings, which we'll let you know as we go through, the plan is essentially this. It's very similar to our other equip weeks, very similar to Awaken and Frontline and uh, the other one we did. Belong. Um, we'll have a story from someone. And the story is really important because stories are how we learn often, isn't it? We often learn through stories. So we're going to have a story from someone each week. Uh, we're going to have a, a short talk, 15 to 20 minutes uh, each time on a particular theme. And then there's an opportunity to discuss on your tables. Uh, you can discuss what was said. You can discuss what the theme is. That's not an opportunity to tell each other how great you are at prayer, Okay. It's an opportunity to discuss and learn and encourage one another. Um, and then, uh, like on Alpha, you know we say on Alpha, no, qu- no question is off limits or stupid or something like that. That's, the, that's, the, that's what we want from these evenings. You can ask any question. Come on, let's, let's be honest and open with one another in the discussions. Uh, and then there'll be um, a time of worship as well. And out of that will come an activity that just helps us to um, put into practice something we've been learning on that evening. There'll also be the opportunity, obviously, to pray with one another as well. And then we'll aim to finish kind of 9.15, 9.30 around that time. Um, so before we hear tonight's story, I'm just going to pray for us, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we love you. And uh, this evening we come with anticipation, knowing that, um, uh, that you are with us by the Spirit. And so we want to ask that tonight we might draw close to you. Um, We might come uh, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus uh, and know that we can come and learn and be with you and leave transformed and changed because we've encountered you. Not simply learn some information, but come before the living God uh, and leave changed. So please be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I would like to welcome Julie up. Let's give Julie a big round of applause. Yeah, I I think because I've been a Christian for such a long time, Gav thought I was a good prayer. But, you know, as we all know, as um, Raj said in his talk, you know, um, we all want to pray more, don't we? Um, Anyway, so my story of prayer. The first um, recollection I remember of praying was when I used to sleep at my nana's and she'd be, um, we'd get into bed and she'd be mumbling on. And I'm going, nana, nana. She'd go, I'll be all right. And I go, nana. And she'd go, shut up, I'm saying me prayers. And I go, oh, okay, nana. And I think for my nana it was more like um, she felt like she had to pray, like a bit of a superstitious thing. But, um, but when I became a Christian and the church I was involved with, um, you know, we did a lot of praying. And in our youth, we used to have what you call a prayer chain, where we'd all sit in a circle, and it, it, it encourages you. You know, like if you're at a prayer meeting, you've got a prayer, and you don't know whether to say it, and then you start praying, then somebody else prays. And it was to stop all that happening. And um, it would, like, go around the room, and we'd all go around the circle, and each one had to pray. And if you didn't want to pray, you, like, hit the next person next to you. So... Anyway, um, when I was about 15, um, obviously the thing, when when you're younger, you pray for different things from being 15 to 
20, 30, 40, 50. And then when I was 15, I started praying for this boy in my youth group who I really liked. And um, uh, as you do. And I felt like God said to me that I could go out with him, but I had to wait. So I waited a couple of weeks and nothing happened. And then um, God told me, so cutting a long story short, God told me I was going to have to wait three of, between two or three years, which is a long time when you're 15. Anyway, I started praying in the September of 74, and by the August of 77, we started going out together, and we got married a year later, and, you know, the rest is history. But at that time, you know, God, you know, spoke to me in loads of ways, and, um, and it was like my pro- he was my promise from God. And... Um, and that's what kept me going, remembering that, you know, I'd prayed and God promised him to me. And I just kept, that's what kept me going um, through marriage. And sometimes sometimes when I prayed, I felt like God said to me, you know, you wanted him, you got him. But anyway, and then another, t- another time in my life when I prayed for my family, um, I've obviously, t- I used to take my younger sisters and that to church and... Um, no, what my the young the oldest of my siblings she became a Christian when she was a teenager and she used to go to church but my other sisters didn't and um, and my brother in fact they got kicked out of Sunday school and youth group but they don't nobody tells you that but um, I'd been praying for years and years for my family and um, this one night I was like really crying out to God for them and. Um, about three or four months after that, my, my sister Shirley became a Christian, my mum, my brother, um, my sister, and I was Stu, and they all became Christians. And, um, you know, I felt really blessed, you know, all those years of prayer, and they became, they became Christians. And when I look back, it, it, like God not only answered my prayers for me, but like when I look in church now, he answered my prayers for all of us as well. You know, when I see Shirley and Stu and Hannah and Alice and and the rest of the family, and Pauline's kids, and, like, all working for God, you know, when you look back, you think, you know, God blessed me with them prayers, but he also blessed, you know, for us all. And when I see, like, Sarah and Derek and Gail and all the others who've become Christians, you know, I, I just think, you know, God is, you know, so amazing that he's, he's blessing us even now for the prayers he answered for me all those years ago. And, like... Um, Another big prayer was when our Jen had her accident when she was 11. And um, we didn't know, you know, if she was going to live, die. We'd, we didn't know what was going to happen. And it, it wasn't a good, you know, scenario. And um, on that day, and on the day when it happened, um, Jen was, she's a Christian. She loved Jesus. She'd just been baptized. And um, I knew that if she died, she would go to heaven with God. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to ban, uh, you know, say to God, oh, if you, you know, if you say, if you do this, I what, do that. And I just said to God, you know, she's yours. You know, you love her more than me. And, you know, I just hand her over to you. And the very next day, Shirley had been praying. And the church had been praying. And they brought um, a scripture. And it was, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is the first commandment with a promise that all may go well with you and you will have a a long life. And I knew instantly that God had said, you know, your prayers are answered. She's going to be fine. And it took, it it was a long journey for her to get really fine. And 
And many times in my life since then, when Jen was poorly with appendicitis, and now with Jen and Andy, they're going through some tough times at the minute. And I still remember that, you know, when we prayed and that verse that God gave us, that all will go well. And things don't seem to be going very well at the minute, but, you know, we just hang on to that hope that God, you know, things will turn out really well. And I like some of our prayers... Uh, like you know we pray and we don't know the answer and we have to wait and some of them are waiting prayers and I bet some of us now are like still waiting for God you know to answer our prayers and um and God doesn't want us to like you know sometimes we tend to we pray and then we sit back and say right when this happens when that happens I'm going to do this for God and when God answers that prayer I'm going to do this and when God gives me more money then I'm going to tithe you know and God you know God wants us to work while we're waiting on him he still wants us to work things out in our lives even though you know we might be ill or you know whatever we're praying for and um but some of our prayers are instant aren't they um like the other night my husband um he wasn't very well um he just it was the very first day of his chemo and his very first tablet that he had to take and um he started choking and he thought he was choking and i thought he was choking and I was hitting him, and he couldn't breathe, and he was panicking. And I just prayed, you know, God, help me, what, am I, what, what do I do? And I ran out the door to get my neighbor. And as I opened the door, my neighbor was stood there. And I went, Mark, come on in. And he ran in, calmed him down, and he was okay. So, you know, sometimes we pray, and it's instant, you know, and sometimes we have to wait. Like when our Harry was poorly, you know, it wasn't instant, but we, we didn't wait long before God answered our prayers. But in my life, some prayers are still, you know, not answered. Uh, there's things I'm still praying for. And, um, st- you know, that we're all praying for. Like for, like for healing. I mean, some prayers that we pray, we know God's heart. You know, like when we pray for the lost. So when we praying for Alpha, when we're praying for the prodigals to return, we know God's heart for those people. We know God wants to save them. So we know we We've got to keep praying because we know the answers. And, um, and we, you know, we just have to, you know, trust in him. Um, and then some prayers that I've prayed in the past, God hasn't answered. Um, and he said, you know, he said no. And um, one, my, um, my nephew, when he was 11, he had cancer. And um, we prayed as a church for him and we prayed. And um, we just felt that God was going to heal him. And my sister and my my son, uh, brother-in-law were going to come back to God, and you know, and God was going to heal him, and that's what we prayed. And 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 God said no, and God didn't heal him, and he he died when he was eleven, and that was probably one of the saddest things, you know, that we've been through. And people say, you know, when God says no, there's always a reason, and you will know that reason. And so far, it's over 20 years now, and so far we, we, haven't, we don't know the reason. We don't know any good that's come out of that situation. You know, but we, you know, we, still, we still keep praying. And I think what keeps us going in our prayers is when we look back you know, and say, God did that for me then. He can do it now. You know, God was there for me then. He, he'll be there for me now. He'll help me to get through whatever it is you know, I'm, I'm going through. And, um, like, years ago, me and Shirley, 
brought a word over me, Shirley, and a few others to pray for our husbands. And every Tuesday, we pray for our husbands. And we prayed for about five or ten years. And out of the four of them, God answered the prayers of two of them. And like there was me, me and Shirley, I was praying for Paul to come back to God. And Shirley was praying for Stu that he would be fully um, healed. And, um, you know, when I look back, me and Shirley are still praying. You know, I'm, we're still praying for Stu and we're still praying for Paul. And, um, but one of the, the things I used to pray for for Paul was that, um, obviously, to come back to God and to stop drinking as much and going to the pub. And five months ago, he gave up alcohol. Now, you know, that is a miracle. And, he, you know, so God is, you know, still answering prayers. And um, one, of the, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because, like, when, you, when God, when you look back and you, you see what God has done and how he's answered prayers and you think, why don't I pray more? You know, why don't I pray more? You know, I know God, you know, people always say, if you don't ask, you don't get you know, and, and God wants us to just keep asking and keep asking. And this is my, one of my favorite um, Bible verses. Because sometimes I've prayed and I'm, I'm, I've been overwhelmed, you know, by what God has done for me. And it's for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives derives its name i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the lord's holy people to grasp how high how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forevermore. And, you know, when you start praying, God is, is just, I can't believe, you know, I asked for this little thing and he gives me all of this. And that's how I found in my prayer life, you know, I've asked for this. Like, I asked to go out with Paul Travis, and I married him, you know. And 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 I ask for for the for, for for this for my family, and then he, you know, and and God just gives us more than we ask for, more than we deserve, and more than we ask for. So, you know, keep keep praying. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Juju. That was amazing. Just so good. I think the best part of these evenings is the stories, isn't it? So um, we're past the peak now. It's all downhill from here, I'm afraid. But uh, just to say, again, a special welcome to Hallowed. Um, I love these four weeks when we bring the church together. You know, we get out of our little groups and bring the church together to look at a specific theme. I think it's during these weeks that God speaks to us as a whole, as a church, doesn't he? So I'm really excited about this. And part of our vision as a church, one of our spotlights, if you remember Raj talking about them, is to have everywhere prayer. Okay, everywhere prayer. And that's for us as a church to become people who are just so passionate about praying that we want prayer to be a vital part of everything that we do. And our big church vision is to bring the joy news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere, isn't it? Well, prayer is absolutely vital in that. 
Prayer is such an important thing. So these four weeks are vitally important. If we want to see this church move forward as we feel that God's called us to, prayer is vital. So you're in the right place. And just to say, learning to pray is really important as well. Okay, I know Simon said this isn't training, and I, I get that point, but learning to pray is important. Like, don't hear me wrong, prayer is so simple that even little kids can do it. Like, I'm teaching my kids to do it now, and, you know, they're, they're foreign too. Like, prayer is so simple, but at the same time, it's the highest and holiest work that we can rise to, isn't it? Prayer is fellowship with the most holy one. And having a desire to pray, and having a desire to learn to pray, is no bad thing. It's like, Jesus' disciples, they um, looked at Jesus, and they, they saw something about him praying, and they thought, we want this. And what did it say? He said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They saw something and they said, we want some of that. They said, teach us how to pray. And I don't know about you, but that's my attitude at the start of these four weeks. I'm saying to God, God, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray in the right way. And I think our desire over the next month for all of us is that we kind of change and transform our prayer lives I saw it written that we should try and change our attitude to prayer. We should take it from being duty, something that we have to do, to being delight, something that we want to do, something that energizes, something that gives us passion. So my prayer for these four weeks is that we take prayer from duty to delight. All right, who's with me on that one? Come on, yeah. So tonight I just get to kick it off. I get to do the introduction and I get to answer the question, what is prayer? Okay, so I hope you take some notes this evening. Um, What is prayer? And then I'll move on a little bit later to talk about approaching God and our attitude when we come to God in prayer. Let me give you a quote to start with then. So Tim Keller, who's much cleverer than I am, um, Tim uh, Keller describes prayer like this. He says, we can describe prayer as a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. All human beings have some knowledge of God available to them. At some level, they have a sense that they need something or someone who's greater than they are. Prayer is seeking to respond and connect that being to a reality. It's not a bit of a mouthful for me, but I think that he hits the nail on the head there. Because in its simplest form, prayer is responding to God. That's all it is. It's responding to God. It's us recognizing the living God and responding to that in different ways. That's all prayer is really. And if we're followers of Jesus, if our lives are transformed by him, then the most natural reaction to that is to want to respond, isn't it? It's to want to respond. And prayer, I've got to say, is the most natural outworking of people who are changed by God. We want to respond to the one who's changed our lives. So at its simplest, prayer is just responding to God. But let me give you a few other specific things there that we can describe prayer as, okay? Because I just want to simplify prayer. We can sometimes make prayer this barrier, this scary thing that we're scared to approach. But actually, prayer is actually quite simple. So let me give you a couple of examples. The first one is my favorite one, okay? Christian prayer is a conversation, all right? It isn't a one-way thing. It's not like you see in a lot of religions where you pray to a shrine or to an idol and you expect nothing back. Like, prayer's not like that. It's not like that thing you used to do when you were a kid. I don't know if anyone did this, but did you ever have, like, a favorite teddy bear? I've still got mine. He's in the loft. And uh, I used to talk to this bear every night. 
Like, I would pour my heart out to this bear. I'd be crying. You know, in teenage years when girls don't go out with you, I'd be crying in a bear, and I'd be telling them when things were really good, and the bear's reaction would always be the same. He'd be like, because he's a bear. Like, he didn't ever answer me back, believe it or not. And, do you know, prayer isn't like that. Prayer's not like talking to our favorite teddy bear. No, prayer is a conversation. Prayer is us speaking to someone who does hear us. Prayer is us speaking to someone who can and does speak back to us. Prayer is a conversation. No, in the book of James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a two-way thing. And you know, we see this modeled in the Old Testament in a few different places, this idea of prayer being a conversation with God. Have you ever heard that story about Abraham um, in Genesis, where Genesis 18, it's God and, Genesis, and, and uh, Abraham having this sort of debate. Um, Abraham's pleading with God not to destroy the city of Sodom. Check out Genesis 18, and he keeps kind of pleading with God again and again. And that's kind of an example for us of what prayer should be like. We should come to God expecting him to hear us and expecting him to answer us. And now we won't all hear the audible voice of God, but we can expect God to speak to us in different ways, can't we? Through the Bible, through pictures, through other believers, through having a sense of peace. The key point here is that prayer is not a one-way thing. We don't pray in case someone hears us. We pray to the one who does hear us, don't we? Prayer is a conversation. This is the other important way of describing prayer is prayer is an encounter. All right, when we pray, we encounter the living God. And this is why it's important that we pray. We come before God expectant that we're going to encounter him. We come to God expecting that we're going to be changed. Jesus tells us to go off to a private place and pray. Why? Because sometimes we need to be freed up from the distractions in order to encounter the living God. Because when we pray, we encounter God. Listen, John Calvin um, describes prayer as exercise of faith. It's the way that we express all of and, and exercise all of the faith that we claim to have. Okay, hear me out. So we follow God and we say we trust him and we want to experience him. Well, prayer is how we put that into practice. Yeah? We say we want to experience God. Well, prayer is how we put that into practice. If we trust God, if we feel like our lives have been truly transformed by God, then we should expect to want to encounter him. So therefore, when we don't pray, when we choose not to spend that time with God, are we doing the opposite? Are we saying that we don't trust that we're going to encounter God? Are we saying that we don't believe that God is going to meet us? See, if we truly believe that prayer is an encounter with God, then to not pray and to not set time aside to pray is saying we don't want to encounter him. We don't want to encounter him. We don't need God. You've got an opportunity to be in the presence of God. And to not do that is mad, isn't it? Come on. Why would we be prayerless? So prayer is a conversation. 
Prayer is an encounter. Prayer is also listening, okay? We forget this one. I forget this one, okay? Part of prayer involves us saying nothing. Do you know that? I feel like this doesn't make sense to us sometimes, but a big part of prayer that is lost is that sense of quiet and stillness that comes from silence. We don't always have to be talking to God in our prayer times. We should be listening to God as well. Look, it's no coincidence that Jesus often retreated from the crowds, didn't he? He went away from the crowds to be with his father because he wanted that intimacy. He wanted to be able to listen to God. He wanted to be able to hear God's still, small voice. Think about the story of Elijah in the Bible. God's still, small voice is what he experiences. Listen, sometimes when we slow down and listen to God, those can be the most impactful times of prayer that we have. Prayer is listening. And do you know what? Part of listening is slowing down and being in the presence of your father. Let me use an analogy, okay? You all know I've got a two-year-old, don't you? Okay, little Ezra, all right? And believe it or not, Ezra likes to throw paddies, okay? If you've ever been to Jubilee on a Sunday, you'll know this, okay? But quite often, he'll just kick off like toddlers do. And usually, it's because he wants to eat his dessert before he's finished his dinner, Okay, so he'll start kicking off and he'll be saying, no, 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 no. And he'll be saying, no, no. And I'm saying, Ezra, calm down. Can I listen? And he's saying, no, no, no. And I say, listen, listen. I've got this technique actually called the wrap, all right? Parents, I'll talk to you about this later. Okay, wait, I wrap him up. I say, I'll put you in the wrap. And I wrap him up and I say, calm down, calm down. Listen, listen. Do you know what? When I get him to listen and calm down, we realize that we actually want the same thing. Like he wants his dessert, and I want him to have his dessert, but I want him to eat his main course first, right? It's simple. I say, if you listen to me, if you listen, you'll know what I want you to do. And I'm going to be a bit controversial. See, it's similar with God. Because sometimes we go in all guns blazing and we shout about our situation. We're crying out to God. We're really passionately praying to him. And none of that is bad, All of that is right and correct, but sometimes he just wants us to stop and be calm and listen. Because it's when we stop and listen that quite often we can discern what God wants for us. And we can hear his plans. You see, part of prayer is listening. I hope you're making notes here because of uh, lots of things to discuss later on. But let me give you another one, another definition of prayer. Prayer is a declaration of our dependence on God. Prayer is dependence. This is an important one, you see. See, when we engage in prayer, we're showing that we genuinely rely on God. We're showing that we need God and we've got a dependency on him. Asking for help from God is okay. In fact, it's better than okay. It's biblical, isn't it? Asking for help from God is the right thing to do. Look at the Lord's Prayer. It's a string of statements bringing requests to God. It's all right to ask God for stuff. There's lots of examples in the Bible of people making requests to God. And when we make these requests for God, what we're really saying is, Lord, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I can't fix this situation on my own. And when you think about it, that's probably as countercultural a statement as you'll ever hear, isn't it? 
Because in our culture, especially in the UK, um, we, we overcome. We find a way to do it on our own, don't we? We find a way to do it in our own strength. I don't need to rely on someone else. I can do this on my own. It's that kind of stiff British upper lip thing we have, isn't it? That's the sort of culture that we live in. So the idea of saying I can't do this and I need to rely on someone else, it goes against the grain, but it's vitally important. It's the countercultural approach that we need to have. Do we pray enough prayers that say I can't do this? If this is going to happen, it has to rely on you, God. Because we should. We need to understand that our dependence on God is not a bad thing. It really isn't. Right, my final little heading about what prayer is before we move on to the second part is that prayer is an instinct. All right, It's a natural reaction in times of trouble. It's something that should come as naturally as eating or drinking to a believer. Okay, prayer is an instinct. And you meet people like this, don't you? You meet absolute prayer warriors who have that natural instinct to pray in every situation. Those are the people who get it when it comes to prayer being an instinct. Like my friend Liz is the perfect um, prayer warrior, this kind of prayer instinct thing. She's got it going on. Like I remember when I used to live with her, I would lose my wallet or something and I'd be running around the house searching for it and getting stressed and she'd come over and she'd politely say, have you, uh, have you prayed about that? And I'd be like, no, I've lost my wallet. I'm not going to pray. And she'd be like, oh, why don't we just stop and pray? And we'd stop and pray. Or other times, like we'll be having this deep and meaningful conversation um, and I like to complain to Liz a lot. I still do actually. She's a person that I complain to very regularly. And she's very gracious. She'll let me have a few minutes where I'll complain about things. I've kind of got this limited amount of time. And then she'll politely interrupt me and say, we should probably pray. And she always does it. And it stops me in my tracks. And it's like, yeah, we really should. And our prayer lives should be like that. Prayer should be an instinct. It should be a natural reaction. It should be a first point of call, shouldn't it? It shouldn't be an afterthought or something that we do only in times of emergency. It should come naturally to those who are in an ongoing relationship with God. See, the times when we find it hardest to pray, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in week four, but the times when we find it hardest to pray are the times when we feel most distant from God, aren't they? So there we have a couple of headlines to discuss in your groups later. Prayer's a conversation, it's an encounter, it's listening, it's dependence, it's an instinct, and above all else, it's a response to God. I just want to spend five minutes just focusing on the second part of this evening, which is how we approach God in prayer. See, right at the start of this, um, these evenings, it's important to think about how we approach God in prayer. And I want to reclaim something that's got a little bit lost in religion and religious attitudes over the years, okay? I want to just talk about the art of confession, okay? It's something that we've lost because we don't like to be religious, do we? But I want to talk about the art of confession. See, how we approach God is really important. Our attitudes that we come to him with are really important. I would argue that the words that we use are actually the least important part of prayer, aren't they? Rather, the way that we come to God is the main thing. The attitude that we have is the main thing. Listen, let me just pose something to you. What if we approached God with this mindset? Okay, what if we approached God with the mindset that we've got two questions to answer? Who am I 
and who is God? If we approached God with that mindset every time we went to pray, who am I and who is God? I think that in answering those questions, we get to the heart of what a healthy prayer life is like. Who am I? What am I really like? What's my attitude really like? Where's my heart really at? What am I really like as a person? What's God like? What's God's character like? What has God done? Listen, Philip Yancey says that prayer invites me to lower defences and present the self that no other person fully knows to a God who already knows. Listen, prayer should involve vulnerability. It should involve, involve bringing ourselves to a God who knows us. Psalm 62, 8, it literally tells us to pour out our hearts to God. And see, this is where confession comes into it. By the way, confession is just bringing things before God, things that we've done wrong, attitudes that we've had, things like that. Saying sorry to God. It's saying, Lord, I've done this wrong, or I've thought this wrong. I failed to trust you in this area. I'm sorry for these things. Please forgive me. That's what confession is. It's a vital part of Jesus' model for prayer for us as well. And with confession, what we're doing is we're stripping away the illusion. We're coming before God as we really are. And we're saying, Lord, this is me. This is me. I need you because look at me. Look at what I've done. I offer nothing. In fact, I offer less than nothing. Look at these things that I've done wrong. I bring nothing to the situation, but you choose still to be here, listening to me in my presence. That's what confession says. We come to a realisation about how little we offer God, but also a realisation of how much he wants to give us. That's what confession does. We come with nothing, but he offers us everything. Doesn't that just make your faith rise, yeah? Just to say also, by the way, confession isn't letting God know who we really are, because he already knows that, doesn't he? He knows the innermost being, he knows every hair in our head. It's not like we're bringing, you know, this thing that God doesn't know. No, confession is more of a way of us coming to terms ourselves with who we really are. It's taking off that mask that the world sees and approaching God. Listen, confession is a biblical thing. Look at the Psalms. They're written in a way which show that. The writers confess in areas that they mess up in and reminding themselves of God's goodness compared to their failures, right? In 1 John 1, 19, we see it written, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen, it's a biblical thing to confess. We need to reclaim that back. It's something that we kind of have lost in our culture. Confessing things to God takes away that sense of being reliant on ourselves and brings us to God with the right attitude. We come before God with honesty and openness. And if we do that, I believe it'll change the way that we pray. Because we don't need to act or pretend. We need to become vulnerable before God. It's really important and it's something that I'm speaking to myself about a lot. 
I certainly don't stop often enough and confess things to God. And look, listen, as I've been kind of studying for this course and just learning a little bit about prayer, I came across this quote, and I've read it like 20 times, and I'm still challenged by it. Um, check it out. It says, um, it occurred to me one day that though I often worry about whether or not I see the presence of God, who's worried about that? We often worry that, don't we? I'm not feeling God's presence. I give very little thought to whether God senses the presence of me. When I come to God in prayer, do I bear the deepest, most hidden parts of myself? Only when I do will I discover myself as I truly am, for nothing short of God's light can reveal that. I feel stripped before that light, seeing a person far different from the image I cultivate for myself and everyone around me. Maybe we need to worry less about experiencing God's presence and think more about God experiencing us as we really are. And kind of drop in the act and come into God. It's so, so important. God doesn't want us to approach him in any other way than with humility and openness. That's what we should expect coming before the one that knows every thought in our head and every detail in our lives, right? If we approach God in the right way, it'll change our prayer lives. If we give God all of our presence, all of our attention, we can expect to hear from him and receive from him. It helps our prayer life move from duty to delight. Just say when we get to this point, okay, it can look a little bit like prayer self-centered, but it's not at all. Prayer is not self-centered. Prayer involves us praying for things outside of us, praying for the lost, praying for situations in the world. But we need to approach God in the right way before we can do that, right? Learning to pray, learning to approach God will give us a fresh passion and faith to pray about different areas. This challenges me to have a real sense of openness and vulnerability before God and approach him without a mask without this sense of pride that creeps in. All right. So lots to discuss there. We're going to have a time of discussion now. We're going to have about uh, half an hour or so, maybe a little bit less to discuss on your tables. But with this being the first week of the, of the course, why don't you just discuss prayer, how you find prayer, how you find praying, discuss anything that I've mentioned tonight, and if you get really stuck, we've written some questions in the booklet for you as well. All right, well, let's have a time of prayer, a time of discussion on our tables, and then we'll move on to prayer. Thank you very much for listening.